Genesis chapter number 22, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took the two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for a burnt offering, and rose up went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and placed and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. We realize tonight that Abraham's going through a time of testing. The scripture said when God did tempt Abraham, but we know from James writing that God does not tempt man. The word tempt here means to try or to test. There is a world of difference between temptation and trial and testing. I like to express it this way. I think temptation is a demonic device that is meant to defeat us. But a test is a divine device meant to develop us. Temptation is a chance to do wrong. A test is a choice to do right. 
Temptation is meant to cause you to stumble, but a test is always meant to help you to stand. There is a world of difference. God is not leading Abraham into something so that he might fail. He is leading him into something so that he might succeed. But as we notice this test and this trial, God says to him in verse number 2, far beyond our comprehension, let alone Abraham. He says to Abraham, you know that boy I gave you, Isaac, as a promised seed? The one that was born when you were a hundred and Sarah was ninety. The one that you, through faith, had looked forward to for twenty-five years. I want you to take this son, this only promised son, I want you to take him to the land of Moriah, up on a mountain there, and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. But as Abraham journeys for these three days to offer this son, Isaac, upon that mountain, upon that altar, I want you to notice with me in verse number 5 how Abraham views this what his comprehension is of the offering of Isaac as a sacrifice to God. In verse 5, Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad, and here's the phrase I want to interest you with, will go yonder and do what? Worship. Abraham looks at this as a worship experience. That the ultimate goal that God has for him is to take him to a place to worship. I want to preach to you tonight for a few moments on this subject, the beyond experience of worship. The beyond experience of worship. Now let me ask you a question. Did you come to the house of God tonight to worship? Did you? Do you want to worship God? Sincerely, do you really want to worship God? I'm not going to try to give you a definition of worship tonight. Because worship is a lot like faith, hope, and love. I don't know that you can give a definition of those divine In other words, if you have never worshipped, all the definitions in the world would not help you to understand what worship is. But if you have worshipped, you don't need a definition. You know what worship is. And certainly as God's children, do we not want to worship? I also would not set a standard in your life as to how to worship. Some folks worship in the stillness. Maybe the tears swell up in their eyes. Other folks worship swinging from the chandelier. And sometimes we worship in both extremes. You worship as God moves in your heart. And I worship as God moves in my heart. So I would not tell you how to worship. 
Oh, what worship is. But I do know that as God's children, certainly we want to worship, don't we? But when we say we want to worship, what do we say? Ah, oh, we want a service tonight. That's what we say, don't we? <laughs> we want a gully washer. Blow them out the top. Cold chills and goosebumps. I mean, we want... It, well, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> I sure don't want to go to no dry hide service and nobody grunts, says amen, and nothing happens. We do want that. But I want to ask you a solemn, serious question tonight. I'm sure you want to worship, but do you want to go beyond and worship? There is a whole lot of difference. When God comes to Abraham, he doesn't come. Abraham knows what worship is. He's worshipped before. He's built altars and worshiped. But when God comes to Abraham, Abraham realizes, he said, I am the lad will go yonder and worship. Abraham realizes that he's going into a beyond experience of worship, far beyond anything that he has known up to this point. And children, God loves to commune and fellowship with us. He loves that. But he is interested ultimately in taking us beyond the veil into a sacred place. He is interested in us going into a beyond experience of worship. Something beyond anything we have known in the normal. Beyond experience. For the beyond experience of worship for Abraham, it means that he is going to have to take his son to a lonely place on a mountain far away, three days' journey, with no one there but he, the son, and God. And he is to build an altar as he knows he has built before. And he is to take the most precious thing in his life and lay him on that altar. And then he is to take a knife and he is to sacrifice that son. And it is to tear the heart out of him, no doubt. A beyond experience of worship where few, if any, have ever been. And in their individual lives, there will be those beyond experience of worship where few, if any, will have ever been there just like you have been there. It will not be a worship, sir. It will not be a worship of goosebumps. It will not be a worship of it will be unlike any kind of worship you ever had. It'll be a beyond experience. I wonder if you're interested in that, that beyond experience of worship. Let me say three or four things to you about this, this worship that's so important. I notice, first of all, from verse number one, that this beyond the experience of worship of where Abraham is going to leave everybody, everything, and go beyond. It is a timely process. You see, each experience of worship is 
a sort of beyond experience. In that God is revealing himself to us unlike we have seen in the times before. I love to be in the atmosphere of worship when God is revealing himself unto me. I love to preach in an atmosphere of worship to where it seems as though all the notes fade away and God comes in and he begins to speak things to my heart that I have never seen. Those are truths that you will die by. You will, those truths will live in you and you will live by them all your days. But you see, Abraham, as I've said, knows something about worship. God came to him and asked him to leave the land of his fathers, the land of the Chaldees of Mesopotamia, and he left out of there, and the scripture said in chapter number 12, he came to Bethel, and there he built an altar, and he worshiped. Of course, we realize that he gets off track and goes down into Egypt, and then comes back up out of Egypt and goes right back to that altar and there he worships again. Later on, his only connection to home, his nephew Lot has to leave him and go down into Sodom and Gomorrah and there Abraham is left uh, with no other connections to the past and God appears to him and there he builds another altar and he worships the Lord. These are just altars that are recorded in the scripture in his life, but I'm sure that he built no doubt many altars and there were many times of which he worshipped God and, and the Lord let him worship and the Lord communed with him at different levels and at different times and then the day came when God came to him and said, Abraham, I'm going to take you into a beyond experience of worship. You have known levels of worship, but I am now going to take you to a higher place and a higher peak of worship. He does it in a timely process because he knows that tender-hearted Abraham, even as a young Christian, could not understand, nor could he give in to the demands of God that, that uh, are, are commanded of him in this act of worship. So there has to be worships before worship that, that God gets bigger parts of our hearts so he can ask for bigger parts of our hearts. Well, I'll tell you how precious it was when the Lord saved me, especially out of the path of which I was saved out of. And for two years, it seemed as though I just floated in an atmosphere of worship as God just uh, was, was taking my heart and, and I was communing with him and, and what a precious experience it was. But there have been many, many levels since then to which God has called me as he has nurtured me to worship him a little bit more beyond where I worshiped him the last time. It is a timely process, God leading us to higher levels of knowing him as he wants to reveal himself to us. But not only is it a timely process, as it was for Abraham, as it was for you in our relationships with the Lord, as we grow, we grow in that knowledge and in that communion and on that new plateau how precious it is. But notice with me in verse number 2, it is not only a timely 
process. But this beyond experience of worship is God is trying to call us alone to himself. It's what I might call a tuning process. You see, our world is so filled with static. There's so many interferences between us and our worship. Isn't that so? Abraham now has what he's always wanted. It's not bad, it's good. He has the promised seed. He is a wealthy man. He has a wonderful wife. And no doubt, with all of these blessings in his life, he becomes consumed with the blessing more than the blesser, possibly. I don't know. But when God comes to him on this day, I want you to know he gets his mind off of everything on this earth. Because he points his mind toward the thing that is nearest and dearest to him and notice what he says in verse number 2. It is a shocker. He said, Take now thy son, thy only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering. Here is a tuning process. The songwriter said, Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Abraham is being called beyond the distractions of this life. As God is getting his attention. And so it is with you and I. We must be entangled in this life. We must live. There is a fine line between that which is natural and that which is spiritual. The things that we have to do to exist but yet the things that we should do in our relationship with God. And many times there's just so much that gets between us and our relationship with Him. But isn't it amazing how God can get our attention so quickly? It may be it's that little pain that you have. You had not thought anything about it. You've been busy working or... You've been busy making a living, raising the family, maybe even enjoying your retirement, and all of a sudden the little twitch comes, and you go to the doctor, and he says, I'm sorry to tell you, but uh, you've got some kind of disease. Or maybe it's that pain in the chest, and the doctor says, you've got, you're going to have to have surgery. Or maybe it is the knowledge, the awareness that somebody close to you has been touched in some kind of a situation. Or maybe it is even as much as so that God takes someone out of your life that you are so near and so dear to. But it is in those times, isn't it, that God grasps our attention. The boy, Abraham, the boy. Abraham, the boy. And in just saying the son, the boy, the only son, he has his complete attention. I must confess to you that there have been several times in my life 
when I thought I was doing all right, I thought, you know, I'm preaching and I, I'm trying to serve the Lord. I thought my mind was on it, but my mind was not on him like he wanted it to be on him. And so therefore, he touches those things that will get our attention. This saying of worship is not only a timing process as God in tenderness leads us to worship, but it is a tuning process as, as he tries to get all of the distractions out of our lives so that we can worship. Amen. I tell you, there's nothing any more aggravating, and you've, you've had this to happen, there's nothing any more aggravating to try to carry on a conversation with someone who is distracted by something else. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody who liked racing or baseball or something and the game was on? <laughs> listen, I'm trying to tell you something. I got, hey, listen, listen. And they're, yeah, I'm listening and they're looking at, and, and I've done the same thing. We all have, haven't we? As our minds have been on other things. And when God wants to worship, God wants to fellowship with us and he wants us to worship him. He intends on taking, he's going to turn the TV off. He's going to shut down the interferences. He's going to get our attention with things that are much more important as he speaks to us. It is a tuning process, tuning us in that we might worship more clearly. More clearly. But then, I want you to notice with me also, as I look at this, what Abraham calls in verse number 5, a worship experience. Not only is it a timely process, not only is it a tuning process, but I notice that ultimately it is a total process. He wants Abraham to offer a burnt offering in verse number 2. Do you know what a burnt offering is? A burnt offering in the Old Testament, according to Leviticus chapter 1, could be a bull, a sheep, a goat, or a bird. The offerer would slay the animal on the north side of the altar. The priest took its blood, which was presented before the Lord prior to the sprinkling around the altar. Next, the offering was divided into sections. They were carefully purified and arranged on the altar. The entire sacrifice was then consumed by fire and its essence was sent up to God as a placating order or a pleasing odor. In other words, when God was coming to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want the dearest thing in your life, I want Isaac. He didn't ask for a finger. He didn't ask for an arm. He didn't ask for a leg. But when he came, he asked for the total offering, and Abraham understood. He knew what a burnt offering was. He was to take this, this son. He was to slay him. He was to drain his blood. Then he was to cut him into 12 pieces. Then he was to wash those pieces and place them upon the altar. And then he was to kindle a hot fire. And then he was to burn every bit of this sun. Until when he walked back off that mountain, there was nothing 
strength to take back. I say to you that this experience of worship was a total process. And can I say to you tonight, we sometimes soothe our hearts in knowing that we are giving God our tithe. We sometimes feel good because we're giving God a Sunday morning. <laughs> and evidently some of you folks are doing good on Sunday night because you know the pastors please you evidently you ain't always here on Sunday night and don't cause him no heart attack tomorrow night now I mean you know but somehow we feel as though that God is uh, is happy with us and now we can go on with our lives. We give God our tithe and we give, we went to church Sunday morning and we even squeezed in Sunday night. Whoo, God, that's over. Let's go on now with our own lives. Well, I'm here to tell you that the ultimate goal of God is not your tithe, nor your 10%, but He is interested in getting you totally every single passion, desire, and thing about you. God wants that. In the beyond experience of worship, He wants it all. God's not going to be satisfied. He gave it all. And He never asks for more than He gives. He gave it all. But honey, He wants it all. He wants to take us to a new level of worship to where everything in here belongs to God. You interested in going there? Huh? He wants to take you to a level of worship to where everything, your children belong to God, your wife belongs to God, your husband belongs to God, your house belongs to God, your car belongs to God, to where everything that you have is God's and God's alone. And that you would view it that way as a total worship. It is a total process. Are you hearing me? You said you wanted to worship tonight. Are you interested in going there and worship? To where you leave out with nothing because you gave God everything? He got it all. Now, I don't know on that plane how much emotion there is there. I'm sure there's a lot of mixed emotions as God is draining us of ourselves. But he's certainly taking it all because he wants it all. But the last thing I would point out to you concerning this beyond experience, what a sacred land that is and a sacred place. Well, only you and God knows what transpires. The others that left behind have no idea. They will never know what happened there. And it certainly was and is a place of worship. But I want you to notice how that this, this, this worship experience, this beyond experience of worship, is a typical process. I mean by a typical 
process in that it reminds us of some things. Boys, we read this in Genesis chapter number 22. Doesn't it remind... Here we have a father who is offering up his son. But doesn't that remind you of another place at another hill where another father took his only son and offered him? It reminds us of Calvary. It speaks of Calvary. Where God offered up the Lord Jesus for the sins of the world. You know what is happening here in this sacred place? Now listen to me for a moment. Something is happening here that has never happened before in Abraham's life. And I don't know if it's happened in anybody else's life before that. But it is here on Mount Moriah for the first time man is able to feel what God felt when he gave his only son. Abraham is going through the same experience that God will go through. He knows what the heart of God is all about. And he and God can fellowship on a level like no one else can because no one else knows God on this level like Abraham does. He knows what it's like to offer up his son. He knows what it's like. And therefore, he can fellowship with God on that level. Now, here's the thing about the beyond experience of worship that I don't want you to miss. In the beyond experience of worship, God invites you in to a spirit of communion and relationship that very few ever even want to go there. And as we look through the Old Testament, we know that Abraham knew what the heart of God was all about. Hosea was another character who could fellowship with God on the level of knowing what God had went through because you remember how Gomer had forsaken Hosea and played the harlot. And God said, Hosea, I know what that's all about. And you go tell Israel I know what that's all about because Israel has treated me the same way. And so every night when Hosea let got down beside his bed, he could say, God, I know what you're feeling, because I feel it too. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul wrote when he said that I might know him. Do you want to know the Lord Jesus? Do you really? Well, it's in the beyond experience of worship that Abraham is invited to know God like no man has ever known him. And it's in those beyond experiences of worship that we too can know him. And Paul said that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering. You interested in going beyond? Because may I say to you that it's in those beyond experience of worship where we cease to want God to feel what we feel. We all love those verses and thank God for them that tell us that we have not a great high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. We know that our Lord knows what we go through and how we suffer. And we revel in the fact that Jesus knows our heartache. He knows our pain. And I'm glad that he does, aren't you? Thank God he knows 
about every trial, every temptation, every burden, every tear. He knows everything that you're going through. But I'm going to ask you, are you interested in knowing what he went through? As Paul said, that I might know him and the fellowship of his. Are you interested in going beyond the veil to the place and the level of worship to where you're able to feel a little bit of what God feels? You can fellowship with him on that level of knowing what his heart has went through. It is a beyond place of worship, but it is a typical process reminding us of what the Father and the Son went through. And as we go into these levels of worship, I'm going to tell you it's not always easy, but it does give us an enlightenment and an open door to a real fellowship with God. Our pain and our suffering many times invite us into more worship than our good times could ever begin to do so. And those who know God the most and have worshipped God the strongest and revealed the most about Him have been those that have went beyond. And they have seen the heart of God. And many of you sitting here tonight, you've been beyond that veil. You've been across that mountain. And you know what it's all about. Because it is in this place it reveals to us so much about God that we can fellowship with Him. And it is in this place that so much of Him is revealed to us. Because you see, Abraham in the beyond experience of worship, where everything is taken from him, everything is given to him. And he sees more from this vantage point than he has ever seen in his whole entire life because it is here in his place. The Bible said in verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket. He said, praise God, this is a place. I want to call it Jehovah Jireh because I've seen the Lord in this place. He has been real. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Children, there are sacred places in our lives where God will lead us alone beyond. It is in those places that he will be able to speak to us more clearly. We will see more fully. And the things of this earth the songwriter said, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and of his grace. And it is there in that beyond experience that we will be able to worship in spirit and in truth. But I ask you tonight, as I said in the beginning, are you interested in worshiping? Surely we don't just want to go through the formalities, the routine. But are you interested in letting him take you beyond in your worship with him where it's just you and God? With a view that very few can ever see the beyond 
the beyond experience of Buddha. Let's stand and bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I do want to thank you for the Calvary experience. For the garden experience. For the heartache and suffering that you went through in this life. An experience far beyond what men could understand. And I pray as we come together tonight that for those hearts that were here that desire to worship, Lord, may you take us beyond. that we might worship you high and lifted up. It'd be more than just a superficial level of routine, formality, or even an emotion. And be in that sacred place that we would bow the knee And worship. Speak to our hearts tonight. Open our eyes in Jesus' name.